Welcome back to Epilogues, a unpacking of the weekly Haftorah. You are listening to Rabbi Yaakov Trump. This week's Haftorah is Parshas Korach. Our Haftorah comes from a very unique place in the Tanakh, which is from Shmuel Aleph, Perik Yud Aleph, Pasuk Yud Dalet, to Perik Yud Beis, Pasuk Chav Beis, at some total of 24 Psukim. A question we have to ask ourselves as we ask at the beginning of every Haftorah is, as we consider the Haftorah, why was this chosen? for this week's Haftarah. Let's start with a brief over- overview and then we'll uh, j- jump into some points to ponder. We're told that Shmuel turns to the people and he says, let's go to Gilgal, we're going to renew the monarchy, the Melucha there. So everybody goes to Gilgal and they coronate the first king of Israel, Shaul HaMelech, in, in Gilgal. They bring all kinds of sacrifices and it's a very joyous occasion. At which point Shmuel gets up and gives a speech and the, the content of the speech is the primary focus of Arav Torah. Shmuel gets up and he says to them, listen, I have told you, you asked me for a king, I've established for you a king as you asked, um, and, I, and I'm now older, I'm not going to be able to lead in such, in such a way, but I want to uh, make one point clear. In front of Hashem, in front of the king, Tell me something. Did I ever use or abuse my power? Did I ever take a donkey? Did I ever take a, uh, um, a, 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 a any favors? Did I ever uh, misuse or not or take money in a way that I never paid back? Was there ever that? Did that ever happen? I am ruined. They said, you never, you know, you never abused your power financially against us. You never took anything from us. So Shmuel then gets up and says, and there he says, I wanted to be a testament in front of the king and in front of Hashem that no one, that, no, that, that, that you have agreed that I have not used you in any negative way. I was never a bad leader. And, they, and this was in fact confirmed. Then Shmuel then gives a historical recap to the people and he says, look, I want you to remember that Hashem took you out of the land of Egypt. And, I've, and now I'm going to tell you all the things that have really happened. When Yaakov came to Mitzrayim, you called out to Hashem, Hashem sent uh, Moshe and Aaron and he brought you out of the, the land of, of Egypt and he brought you to this place. And then you forgot HaKadosh Baruch what Hashem brought against you, all these um, uh, antagonists. There was Sisra and there was the, the Plishtim and there was the king of Moab and you fought against them and then you called out to Hashem and you said we sinned. And you served and again, and again you served the Baal and Ash, the Eshtar and all the the different, uh, the different um, pagan deities. And Hashem sent you to, uh, to save you, your Yerubal, Vedan, Yiftach, and Shmuel. And Hashem saved you from all your enemies. But now that you see Nachash, the king of Ammon, is arriving, ah, and you say, we need to have a king. So you know what? Here is your king, says, says Shmuel. If you serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he'll help you. If you, if you forget HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then he won't help you. <clears throat> and Shmuel says, and I wanted to tell you, I want to show you something, Davar Gadol I'm going to show you a very big thing. It says it's the middle of Katsir Chetim. It's the wheat harvest. This is already in towards the, the beginning, towards the middle of the summer. And he says, and as we know in Israel, it is not the rainy season. He says, I want to show you that you're, you're wrong. What I'm going to do is there's going to be rain right now. And that's what happens. As he says this, um, the, suddenly a, t- a terrible thunderstorm breaks out in the middle of the summer. Never happens in Israel. And everybody gets very scared, and they say, "Akash Baruch wants to kill us." And Shmuel says, "No, no, no. You, you should know that you sinned, and you realize that the reason Hashem is showing this to you is because you did sin by asking for this king. Now, if you listen to Akash Baruch then everything will be all right. If you don't, you're not. It won't be all right." 
That's the Haftarah. Very, very fascinating Haftarah. lot to think about. Let's start at the very beginning. First of all, what is the historical context of this? In which context was this said? So let's just appreciate this. Shmuel was the leader of Israel and a very powerful, very well appreciated and loved leader in Israel. He used to go around from place to place <clears throat> as the leader of the nation of Israel. But as he grew older and the people felt that his sons are not worthy, they turned to him and they said, we need to have a king. This really upset Shmuel because essentially what they were doing was they were rejecting him as a leader and Hashem says, don't worry, it's not you they're rejecting, it's me they're rejecting. There's, a, there's something not correct with this request. And then Hashem says, you're going to anoint this young man called Shaul Amelech, a really outstanding man, as the Tanakh tells us, she was a head and shoulders above all the rest, literally. Um, and so Shmuel anoints Shaul. Shaul's a very humble, very shy and retiring person. When he came back, he didn't tell anybody. And then Shmuel calls a coronation ceremony and publicly, anoint, publicly coronates Shaul as the king, but not everybody is so enamored. Some people say this, this person is going to save us, really? And they're not so excited about it. They don't even send him a welcome gift, Mincha, um, um, as well. But then what happens is Nachash, the king of Ammon, who, Ammon, who lives on the Transjordan, the East Bank, where Jordan is today, um, besieges a city called Yavesh Gilad and demands of them that servitude and cutting out their right eyes. They say, give us a little bit of time. We want to find a savior. He says, ha, 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 find any savior. Let's see who can help you. He goes over. They go over and they send messengers to Shaul and saying, you're the king. Please help us. And Shaul uh, galvanizes the people, brings together a huge army, destroys the um, um, Nachash and his army. And this is a really incredible moment. People now recognize that Shaul was the king. Hashem was right. Shmuel was correct all the way along. And now this is Nechadeh Shama This is why the whole episode is going on in Gilgal. is to renew the kingship that was not fully appreciated the first time around. So just to understand that. That's the first thing. Now, why is it that, Sha- that, that Shmuel is giving them all this history? What, what is the focus of all of this history? So it seems to be that you, the, the general focus is you had trouble, I send leaders, but they weren't good at the end. And they were really good enough, but then you 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 slip back to your old ways. So um, why are you asking for king? What do you think is going to change in this? In fact, the way the Malmi says is that you forget the formula that is the basic formula for Sefer Shoftim, which is said at the beginning, at the beginning of Sefer Shoftim in Perik Beis. The Amalach comes and gives a pro, uh, gives a message that what's going to happen is going to be a four step program. You're going to, you're, you're going to forget Hashem. You're going and serve the nations, the gods, the nations around you. You'll be put in in there. Hands, you'll call out to them and do teshuvah, and then Hashem will save you by sending a shofet, and then the, the, the whole cycle will repeat itself. So what Shmuel is doing is he's saying this, this cycle is going to repeat itself even when you have kings as well. Who are these shoftim exactly that he mentions? He mentions uh, four names. He mentions Yerubaal, Bedan, Yiftach, and Shmuel. So we know who Yiftach and Shmuel are, but who are Yerubaal and, and Bedan? So the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, Chofei Amun tells us that Yerubaal refers to Gidon. He's called Yerubaal because he fought with Baal. He fought with the, the, those who served Baal in Israel, including his own parents. Bedan refers to Shimshon because he came from the tribe of Dan. So sort of two code names, two, two direct names. The Gemara on Chof Bahayim Beis does tell us a very fascinating observation. Quoting a pasuk in Tehillim, Tehillim Tzadi Test, the 99th Psalm, Moshe va'aron b'chohanav u'shmuel b'korei shmoi. Moshe and Aaron are among the priests, and Shmuel who are those who call HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the name of Hashem. 
So the, 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 the Pasuk says it shows you that Shmuel is so powerful, so important, he is like the greatest of the world as well. Um, and in fact, the Gemara says, this teaches us that Yerubbaal Bedorah Kamosha Bedorah, Bedan Bedorah Ka'aron Bedorah, and famously Yiftach Bedorah Kishmu Bedorah, meaning the, the, the um, Shoftim who are mentioned at the end of Yagidon, Yiftach Shimshon, they were not necessarily the best of the Shoftim. They had many um, flaws as leaders. But nonetheless, they are being told, they are being compared to show you that actually they really are the, 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 the same in terms of their leadership. What does that mean precisely? It's the Me'ar Shiloach, the Ishbetzer Rebbe, Rav Laina, says in Pashas Nitzavim that everybody has their own tafkit to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And some people's tafkit is much smaller. They're Sho'ev Memecho. They are, they are people who are water, water carriers or wood, wood hewers. That's their, that's their tafkit in Vayan And some people are supposed to be um, Rashim, they're supposed to be leaders of the community. Each person has their own ladder to climb. HaKadosh Baruch is not expecting them to climb anybody else's ladder. But ultimately, in the end of the day, Atemnitzavim Ayom Kulchem Lifnei Hashem Lakechem. All people, no matter how tall their ladder, no matter how much the expectation in their personal specific situation, are standing in front of HaKadosh Baruch And that's what Yiftach Badara Kishmul Badara means, is that ultimately Yiftach had his special mission to accomplish, and he accomplished it, even though man had been as perfect as Shmuel's accomplishment, this is what he was supposed to be doing as well. Moving on, what was the sign about rain? Why was Shmuel making it rain right now? So the Malvin says, very, very beautiful insight. He says, is rain good? The answer is, it depends. Rain is fantastic. It's the source of so much life in the world. So many countries depend on it. Rain cycles are so important. Yet rain is also bad at the same time. If you have too much rain, if you have it rain at the, wrong, at the wrong season, it can create floods, it can create destruction, loss of thousands of lives, destruction of crops, um, rot, uh, water destruction in, is, it can take years, decades to fix. So is rain good? The answer is it depends when. It depends when it comes as to understanding where, if it really is a blessing. Is a king good, says Shmuel? It depends when. A king is a good thing. The Torah talks about a king in general. But perhaps this is the wrong time to be asking for a king. And that's the Malbim explains is what Shmuel is saying. A king may be a good thing, like rain, but you asked at the wrong time and it can be a curse. Therefore, you asked in the wrong season for the rain. I'm going to show that to you, demonstrate that to you by this sign as well. Another question that's worthwhile asking over here is, does Shmuel like kings or not? Is Shmuel a fan of kings or not? So on the one hand, you would say, well, it doesn't sound like he's much of a fan. He was very insulted when the people asked for a king, and he's busy telling them over here that kings are not so good. But if you go to the Gemara in Bab Basra, it tells us that the author of Sefer Shoftim, the previous book in Tanakh, was Shmuel himself. And the refrain of the last few prokim, the last few chapters of Sefer Shoftim, were, in those days, there was no king, and therefore people did what they wanted, and that was not a good thing. That's why you had this terrible episode of the Pelegish Begiva, the rape of the, woman, of the woman in Giva, and the civil war which ensued. It's why Pesel Mecha, the shrine of Mecha, was set up in the mountains of Ephraim. Why? Because there was no king. Sounded like a king would have been a better solution. So does Shmuel like kings or not? Hard to know. And the agenda in Sefer Shoftim seems to say kings would be a good thing. The agenda in Sefer Shmuel seems to say that kings would not be such a good thing. So which is it? Rabbi Nechem Liebtag makes the suggestion that what he's saying is, this is not about kings. Hashem lokechem alkechem. Hashem is your king, as he says in Arab Torah. What Shmuel is arguing is, it really depends on you. If you serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then a king's a good thing. If you serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, a shofet's a good thing. If you don't serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then both a king and a shofet are bad things. Don't think that there's an easy out. We'll just change leadership, everything will be fine. We'll just change the model of governance, everything will be alright. No, 
it depends on you. And it's a much harder pill to swallow to realize that it's not an external solution, but the locus of control remains internal. Finally, and let's close with this, why is this the Haftarah of Korach? The answer seems to be very simple, and that is, is that there is a comparison between Moshe Rabbeinu's words and Shmuel's words. That, that, that Moshe Rabbeinu, when he is attacked by Korach and the people who demand to, to um, democratize the leadership that Moshe Rabbeinu has been commanded to give, Moshe Rabbeinu turns to everybody in an, in, in an exasperated plea, says, have I taken anybody from you? Have I hurt you? Have I done anything bad that you're now attacking my leadership? That's what Moshe Rabbeinu says. Shmuel's echoing those words. In fact, the Gemara in Nadarim Daf, Lamed Ches Amur Aleph, tells us that there is a comparison to be had between Moshe Rabbeinu and Shmuel, and Shmuel's words were even further. Shmuel didn't even borrow anything. Moshe Rabbeinu was talking about Utah taking with money, but Shmuel, Shmuel didn't even take any favors. And so Shmuel's even further of a, a plea of an embattled leader. Here Shmuel feels the people didn't appreciate him, Moshe feels the people don't appreciate him, and he's the compared lines. However, it gets deeper than this, the plot thickens. And that is, is that what, what allowed Korach to take such a terrible risk in the parasha? I mean, after all, Korach is now challenging Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, the one who, who facilitated the Eser Makos, the Kriyas Yamsuf, does Korach think he even stands a chance? How would he take such a terrifying risk? Says the, uh, if you actually look at this very carefully, Rashi quotes the Medrash, which says that um, Korach looked into the future and he realized that his descendant was none other than Shmuel Hanavi, the protagonist of Ar Haftarah, the protagonist of Sefer Shmuel, the very beginning. And what's so fascinating about that is that ultimately Korach says, I know I will have a, a great tzaddik who is going to be shakul, who is going to be way, just like Moshe and Aaron. He is Moshe of Aaron and Korach, Shmuel B'Korach Shmuel. He says, if I'm going to have such a descendant, I must be a winner. I must win this argument. What he didn't understand was that his children would do Teshuvah, and that would be the outcome, and Shmuel would be the outcome. And here's the funny thing. Araf Torah is when the shoe is on the other foot. Korach is the one who says, Moshe Rabbeinu, you're not such a great leader. Moshe Rabbeinu, if, you, if I was leader, things would be different. Moshe Rabbeinu, who are you to be, the, to be, to, to be nepotistically choosing everybody in your family? Well, Korach, fast forward a few generations, when your great-great-grandchild is going to be the, the, the king, or so to speak, the shofet, he's going to be the leader, people will question his leadership too. And in the same way that people didn't appreciate Moshe Rabbeinu and the sacrifice that he gave day and night to this people that didn't really appreciate him or understand what he was doing for them, your great-great-grandchild will also suffer the same lack of understanding, the same lack of appreciation. And this is the full circle over here. This is now Korach's descendants' cha chance to be in Moshe Rabbeinu's seat. And that's perhaps the reason why this Haftorah is, is, is given to us, to appreciate that we can never really understand somebody or their situation until we're actually in their seat ourselves. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.